the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. To begin our Wednesday edition of Way of Grace, here's Pastor Jessica Stand. I've said it often, a person can be given over to a secular life of debauchery and sinfulness. And then out of a desire to rest or to just take time off from the drudgery of living like hell, start going to church. And they can be moved emotionally by the experience of church and thus take up religion as a a way of life. And they can be moved by the singing, moved by the praying, moved by the preaching, moved by the music, and come and accept Jesus into their heart and go through the whole hoopla, never ever really having a saving revelation of God. What does it really mean to be a Christian? Well, that's a question that has many answers for many people. But today on Way of Grace, we'll concern ourselves with having a heavenly mindset. What happens in our lives when we truly base our actions and thoughts on the, the knowledge that we are on this earth for just a short time and that a glorious place called heaven awaits us? The effects are really awesome, both for our own lives and for the lives of those around us. Pastor Jessica Stand is our teacher, and today he continues our series in Acts. Join us there in chapter 3. We're in Acts chapter 3, and we're going to be moving forward in our contemplation we spent last week dealing with the distinctives of God's mercy in uh, restraining his people whom he has chosen from making the fatal error of uh, blaspheming the spirit of God or sinning in such a way as to never be able to have their sins forgiven such as was the case with Judas Iscariot and those who diabolically schemed to put our master to death, denying the fact that he was very God of very God, denying the fact that he was indwelt by the Spirit of God, and therefore both the second and the third person were witnessing to the first person through everything that Christ had done. They crossed a line that was exceedingly dangerous, and we thought that through extensively enough to even have our own hearts and minds challenged as to the responsibility of the witness of the gospel in our life. We are privileged to hear the word of God, but we're also responsible for it. For to whom much is given, much is also required. So I want to do more than hear the word. I want to be granted the grace to respond to it appropriately, knowing that God has given me an extra measure of his revelation for me to honor him. We are now going to take up Peter's proposition 
in verses 19 and following, and we will start at verse 19. Repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. He has thus declared to them that Christ has risen from the dead. He has thus declared to them that they were guilty of the sin of killing the just one. But God had decreed it. God had purposed it. And God had declared this suffering of Christ and his resurrection through the mouth of all of his prophets. And it was designed to help the Jewish people in the temple at that time realize that God was doing something bigger, larger, more important than simply allowing them to show the antipathy, the sin and the rebellion of their own heart against God's light. And now he calls them to repentance. Repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. Now we want to talk about that verse because within that verse we have a number of uh, metaphors, concepts, ideas uh, in that particular statement. Repent is something we have looked at before and it means to turn. It means to turn first of all in your mind. Metanoia means to change the mind. It means to stop thinking the way you were thinking, particularly with reference to God. With regards to the Jewish people, it means that they were to stop trusting in their good works and abandon themselves to the mercy of God revealed to them in Jesus Christ, which they had unanimously rejected when Christ came. Now that Christ is exalted, now that he is Lord at the right hand of God the Father, now that he has sent his spirit in the life of the apostles, and they are doing signs and wonders, affirming the authenticity of the message of Christ, he says to them, you can repent now of the way you were thinking yesterday because the door is open for you to experience the grace of God through the very man that you had rejected. Repentance means a change of mind, but it ultimately results in a change of life. Repentance means a change of mind, but it ultimately results in a change of life. And I say that because repentance is not simply first changing what you do. Repentance is changing what you think first. And I've said it often, a person can be, um, can be uh, given over to a secular life of debauchery and sinfulness, and then out of a desire to rest or to just take time off from the drudgery of living like hell, start going to church. And they can be moved emotionally uh, by the experience of church and thus take up religion as a, a way of life. And they can be moved by the singing, moved by the praying, moved by the preaching, moved by the music. And come and accept Jesus into their heart and go through the whole hoopla, never ever really having a saving revelation of God. So that there's no change in the mind as a consequence of the mind being radically informed, radically informed by the work of the Spirit of God. And, uh, and thus what they do is they simply start taking on the pattern of church. Okay, they know now that they got to come to church, so they start going to church. And they, they know now they got to start reading their Bible, so they start reading their Bible. But really deep down inside, there was no change. And, and so they kind of also know that 
they still have an allegiance to their former habits and their former practices, but they have taken up what we call a new lease on life. That works for a season, and then over time, what they begin to experience is a real tension between what they are doing and what they are wanting to do. Because they are still wanting to live the life of a person who is without God. And over time, because the nature of a man is truly who he or she is, that nature takes over and they start back by and by living the life of darkness. And this is what Peter meant in Second Peter chapter 2 when he says, the uh, sow who has been washed from her wallowing in the mire over time, by and by, returns again to a wallowing in the mire because that is what they are by nature. So when we talk about uh, true repentance, you and I are talking about a real conversion of the soul, a real transformation of the nature, a real renewal of the mind, a work of the Spirit of God creating a new nature in you. We're getting ready to unpack that or develop that because of the language that Peter uses that the Jewish people would have known as well. So repentance is not simply stopping doing one thing and then starting to do another. Repentance is from the inside out a revelation of the glory of God that impacts you in a way in which it produces life. And that life produces faith and that faith manifests itself in a new track. The word repentance is a new track. It's a new track of thinking. Now you are thinking about God instead of thinking about self and lust and the world and the cares of this life. Now you're thinking about righteousness instead of thinking about how much money you can make and how you can live for your own aggrandizement. Now you're thinking about righteousness and you're thinking about sin and you're thinking about the justice of God. You're thinking about grace and you are now hungry to know the word of God and you're hungry to know the word of God to be saved, not to simply add to your catalog of uh, intellectual knowledge, more uh, data so that you can add to who you are. When a person becomes born again, it's not an addition to who they are. They become a whole nother person and the old man now is discarded as being their true identity. And now if a person really takes stock in their old man, they're going to try to somehow uh, correlate the two. Because to them, there are advantages in still operating out of their fallen nature. If you were successful in your fallen nature, in your unsafe state, if you were uh, a popular person, if you were influential, if you knew people, if you were a, a mover and a shaker, that's not real easy to abandon when once you come to Christ. But of course, that's what he calls us to do. If anyone's going to follow me, let him take up his cross, deny himself, and then follow me. If he's going to be my disciple, right? So when a person is authentically born again, the fundamental preoccupation early on in her life or his life is how do I sufficiently and effectively abandon myself? How do I sufficiently and effectively abandon my own nature? And that requires the grace of God. I mean, you're born again, but you now have to work through the concept of mortification the concept of the old man having died with Christ on the cross and therefore you reckoning yourself dead indeed to sin but alive unto God. 
But see, you have to have that biblical data before you to feed on to start working through the whole idea of a new life, a new thought process, a new agenda, a new model of ethic, a new way of conducting oneself. And this is why brand new believers in Christ do spend a lot of time in the word of God because they know transformation cannot come apart from a knowledge of the scriptures. That I'm going to be retarded in my growth and I'm going to be impeded in the success of my growth and I am seeking to be as rooted and grounded in Christ as I possibly can because to the degree that I am not, I'm going to be tossed to and fro both by the world, by the devil, and then by my own fallen nature. And I'm going to spend a long time in a kind of miserable condition until I am rooted and grounded and very clear in my calling. So for a true born again Christian, the first four, five, six, seven, ten years of their life, they are utterly and radically committed to the word of God. Utterly and radically committed to sound doctrine. Utterly and radically committed to learning what it means to grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord. Are you guys following what I'm saying? So repentance is not a flippant thing where you start going to church for a while. You learn how to sing. You learn how to pray. You learn how to talk. And yet internally you are still jazzed about who you were as the old person. Is over time, those two worlds are going to collide unless you are in a carnal church that accepts those kinds of, you know, carnal and fleshly attitudes and demeanors and, and uh, behavior patterns. And we have plenty of churches that accommodate a carnal lifestyle. So you're, you're, you're cool the way you always were. You just got a little Jesus in your life. And we would say that that's not repentance. We would say that that individual has not really had the first work of the spirit wrought in their heart. And who knows what the first work of the spirit is to convince a person that they are a hell bound sinner. That's John 16, 8. And when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will convince you. No one will have to convince you that you are a hell bound sinner. He will convince you. Through the gospel, he will convince you through the testimony of scripture. He will convince you by your own wretched life. He will convince you by the power of the Holy Ghost that if no one deserves to go to hell, you do. And he will convince you that it is wholly appropriate that you depart from trusting in yourself and cleaving to Christ wholly until God evidentially demonstrates a work of grace in your life. No new believer is pompous or arrogant or uh, presumptuous about their salvation. They are very serious about it. In fact, the way the Hebrew writer, writer puts it in chapter four, those who have heard the gospel flee for refuge to Christ. That's the nature of what happens when your eyes are opened up to your sin. You flee for refuge to Christ. And it has a visible manifestation, particularly in the life of people who are operating in that former lifestyle. They're wondering why you are now no longer committed to that pattern of life. Because you are seriously making your calling and election sure now. You're not playing church. You're about Christ. That's the idea of repentance in our text. So it's a word that runs all the way through the scriptures. And you, you guys know already that Christ commissioned the disciples to preach repentance. 
starting in the book of Luke and then all the way through Acts. So all through Acts, you will hear them when the key is put in the door and the door is open. The way into the kingdom of God would be by repentance and faith. They're two sides of the same coin. If you actually believe the propositions of the gospel, you will turn from your former life and flee to Christ for refuge. They're two sides of the same coin. There's no such thing as having faith and not having repentance. Are you guys hearing me? So Paul commended the church at Thessalonica in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 10, when he said, how that you turn from idols, that's repentance, to serve the true and the living God, that's faith. And that's what it means to be saved and to acquire saving faith. But I want you to mark what he says now. Repent ye therefore and be converted. That's what the word means. Repentance is the inward work. Conversion is the outward manifestation. That your sins may be what? Blotted out. Now, again, if you're a Gentile, this language does not mean a whole lot to you. But to a Jew, it should have meant a world of information. Because what Peter now is alluding to is what is critically necessary for a man to be viewed in the eyes of God as free from the indictment of his sins legally and judicially. That when he uses the term, have your sins blotted out, he's using an old Hebraic phrase that refers to what happens when you are in a community where your transgressions are recorded and they're all written on a ledger against you. All our sins are written on the ledger of life. Those of us who are born into this world, we are born into what is called the land of the living. And in the land of the living, like in any city, you have uh, the recording office where the name is written. That person is born here. That person is born there. This is their name. This is when they were born. And this is their life's testimony. This is the ledger that will come up on the last day for which human beings will have to face God. Are you guys hearing me? This is the ledger. And it will be filled with all of our sins. And if those sins have not been blotted out, then we will have to answer for those sins. So the term blotting out here means that it requires a radical work that is beyond human capability. For two reasons, the blotting out of our sins is really requiring omnipotence. The first is our sins are written in stone. What God says is when we violate his law, is not written on a piece of napkin or a piece of paper that can fade away or distort or mar. So, you know, over a long enough period of times, our newer sins will be fresher to God than our older sins. But can you imagine the analogy that every sin that we commit is written in stone? And the idea means that they are permanently and legibly written to be clearly seen forever. Written in stone. Go with me in your Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 1. I want you to see it. I want you to understand the implications of our sins being blotted out so that you and I can appreciate Peter's proposal. And then we can awe and marvel at how God does it. 
In Jeremiah chapter 17, here's what God says to the people of God who are sinful people, wicked people, and particularly the Judah tribe who are supposed to be the most conservative, Bible-believing, Christ-exalting people. And yet at this time, they are in a great state of apostasy. And here's what Jeremiah says. Are you there? Listen to what he says. The sin of Judah, that's the whole tribe, is written with a pen of what? You see that? A pen of iron. That means the point of the pen is so hard that it's designed to engrave the sin into stone. Engrave it. Listen. The sin of Judah is written with a pen of iron and with the point of a what? Why? Because a diamond is one of the hardest stones in the world. See what God is saying? That sin is so offensive to him that he marks it so that it is there permanently. And for God to let us know that is for God to let us know how sinful and exceedingly sinful sin is to him. It's also to let us know that sin is not put away easily. We kind of talk like that, like we can just put away our sins. And I've told people this many, many times. If you can put away your sins, you are your own savior. If you can put away one sin, you are your own savior. I am here to assert to you that every sin you and I commit will never, ever, ever, ever be put away by us. Because it's written with an iron pen and a diamond on the hardest of ledgers to be called back on the last day. Should we die without Christ? Now listen to the language. Is written upon, is written with an iron pen and the point of a diamond, and it is graven upon the table of their heart. Do you see it? And upon the horns of your altars. You know what God is saying? He's saying sin has its origin in the heart, and the heart here means the inner man. You know what that means? That means these people will never ever experience the washing away of their sins. And that when they are brought to judgment on the last day, the, uh, the, the books that God is going to open is not just the book of his law, but the book of human conscience. Because the conscience knows what it does. This is what Romans chapter 2 tells us. The Gentiles and the Jews, they both know what's right and what's wrong. Only the Jews had the law written in an external code as a mirror to let them know what they were doing wrong. The Gentiles didn't have an external code, but they had their conscience. And so when we do what's wrong, it's written in our conscience. This is what plagues us. And what God is saying to Judah is, your sin is so deep, so indelible, that it will never be removed. Now, he goes on to say, um, and upon the horns of your altars. Do you know what that means? It means that they had sinned against God in worship. Not only had they sinned against God in their heart, but they had sinned against God in worship. The altar was the place of worship. And the Bible is very clear that when the heart is not right, God does not accept the sacrifice. So not only was their rebellion internally something of which God held them to, but their religious activity, their religious observance now becomes sin. Because as we're getting ready to see in a moment, the only thing that God accepts in the area of worship is a broken and contrite heart that looks to God as the basis and foundation of his acceptance. 
What these people had thought is that they could live like hell on the deep inside of the core of their being and still go through the form of worship externally and that would be adequate for God. What God was saying was, I see both your heart and I see your religious deeds and neither one of them is acceptable. So what we learn from that is you can't do a bad deed and then cover it up with a good religious deed. As far as God is concerned, they're both bad deeds. Am I making some sense? And it's critical for people to understand that uh, you cannot hide from God in church, which is what people do. They actually try to hide from God in their religious activities. We are out of time today. We'll close our program out here and pick up where we left off next time we're together here on Way of Grace with Pastor Jesse Gastand. Thank you for spending a few minutes with us today. We trust it was profitable in your walk and relationship with Christ. Our goal here at Way of Grace is to make sure that you are growing in Christ, that you are living a life worthy of the calling that has been placed on your life from the gospel. If you have questions, comments, prayer requests, as always, you're welcome to reach out to us here at Way of Grace. Our phone number is real easy. You can reach out to us at 510-886-9782. That's 510-886-9782. You can also reach us at our website, grace-bible.com. And you can email us from that website as well as find out more about us, who we are, what we believe, worship opportunities. In fact, our worship opportunities are really quite simple. Sundays at 1030, we meet here at the church in Hayward. We also have a Friday evening Bible study at 630 and then a Tuesday evening prayer and Bible study at 630 as well. For more information, again, grace-bible.com or call 510 886-9782. Reach out to us by mail if you want to write 22768 Main Street. That's 22768 Main Street, Hayward, California. The zip code is 94541. As always, it's a pleasure spending time with you here in God's Word, growing in His grace. Until next time, may Christ be your way of grace. Three star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to, he understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.